Welcome to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margot Jaco. Are you a clinician looking to find the balance between providing compassionate client care and business agility? This show will help with things you need to know to start or grow your practice and better serve your clients. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Dr. Margot Jaco. So glad to have you here with us today. And today, I also get to have with me Deanna Shoss of Intercultural Talk, our marketing guru and our co-host of this podcast. And of course, Chris Pertel, our fabulous producer, and she also happens to be our fractional CFO. So we are just multi-talented in this group. So Welcome, Deanna. How are you? I am doing fantastic, Margo. And I love being a part of this podcast because you are such a phenomenal business owner. So even in in sharing my insights on the show, I learned so much from you every time. So thank you. Well, back at you, right? Back at you. I just love the idea of people sharing knowledge, sharing resources, sharing insights. So yeah, it's fun for me too. Yay. So today, folks, this is our Bust a Move episode. That's what we're calling it. And we're going to cover some topics that certainly are relevant for me as a practice owner. And in the consultation I do with other practice owners, these are things that come up that I think might be useful for you to consider, whether you are an established practice, whether you're considering being a practice owner, whether you're looking at expanding. These are some things you might need to consider to be able to move the needle forward. I tell you, I sit with some folks and they so want the needle to move and they get into analysis paralysis and can't make it happen. So we're going to try to talk about a few things today to help you move that needle forward. I am aware of the fact that I definitely am risk averse about certain things. And there are plenty of things, especially in the realm of business that I am not risk averse about. And I think that might have something to do with how we're able to move the needle forward. But Deanna, I just want to start with you. What are you thinking about and what are you curious about? I'm curious. Let's see if we can put some parameters around that term risk because people want to know what's going to happen, but you just can't always know. So what are some things that you do to try to help inform decisions? Because at some point you probably have just hold your nose and jump, but there, I'm sure there's some things that you do before you get to that moment. Can you share some of those? Well, definitely. And sometimes I don't even hold my nose. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. So we've done different assessments in our practice. And I've done this assessment many times over the course of my career. And my personality style tends to be ready, fire, aim. Right? And our assistant director, Ari, <laughs> poor thing, her style, Ari Groner, is ready, aim, wait a minute, is the aim correct? Do we have the process in place? Hang on, let me go back to ready and then fire. That is okay. And there are lots of folks where that is their style. I will tell you, you need both. But as a practice owner, you kind of need to be more in the let's get things moving. So back to your question, Deanna, about risk. Here's my thought. When I'm considering making a decision, 
I don't just jump in without holding my nose. I mean, I do consider things, I think about things, and sometimes I think about things for days, weeks, or months. This is a highly unsatisfying answer about parameters around risk. So much of what I go on is a gut feeling, Deanna, and I wish I could say something more scientific about it. Do I tend to have a gut feeling? Do I tend to know when something is a really bad idea? Yes. And I have typically really regretted it when I don't pay attention to that. Now, listeners, I get it. That's like, well, but what if my gut's telling me I shouldn't do any of this and I should wait and wait and wait? That's a bad plan as well. Well, so here's what's really interesting, though, about what you're saying. And this is what's fascinating. When I hear you say, I I don't know if this is planful or how I describe it. And yet there's two things that you said that are really smart and replicable. Okay. One is when you know what your style is, have that person work with you who's the balance. Even in my own business, I have a virtual assistant. And when I'm writing a piece that's something that's very sensitive, I will often share it with her because she also has a gut feeling about what it should look like. And so having that person is actually a conscientious plan to know that you want to hear that other opinion, even though ultimately it's your decision about when things are moving forward. So that's one. That is actually smart to have that sounding board who's opposite of you. The second is the phrase, trust your gut, is a phrase for a reason. And even if you're not sure what your gut is saying, there is that idea of let me sit with that a moment, you know, even if it's breathe and ponder and dig deeper into what gut is saying, that is also something important because unconscious, you know that your unconscious mind is the one that's also picking up on a lot of factors and ideas. And we validate that. You validate that in therapy as something that's also an equal approach to how you perceive reality and make decisions. Yeah, 100%. It's not quantifiable, Deanna, but I love that. A gut sense, you know, you have your enteric nervous system, your your gut has its own nervous system, and it's going to have its own reactions. That's not a phrase that was just pulled out of thin air. We have a reaction in our system. So if your reaction is one of fear repeatedly, then that's not really something to listen to, right? I mean, if you find that over and over again, you're saying, well, okay, so if I sit with this, what am I noticing? I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid I'm gonna lose money. I'm afraid I'm not gonna make money. I'm afraid I'm gonna make a mistake. Then that needs to be taken care of. You as a business owner are not able to make decisions if you're coming constantly from a place or even frequently from a place of fear. That's something else. There's also different approaches to decision-making. Some people like to go with their gut all the time. Some people need to see the numbers. And so when you're following this idea of should I do it, should I not, take that pause to run some numbers. A hundred percent. Make sure you run the numbers. I don't jump into something without sitting down and saying, well, wait a second, does this make financial sense? We're starting a new program for psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. We talk about risk. That's like, you know, that can be a risky thing. We have to order supplies. They're expensive. The equipment is expensive. The staff is expensive. But we have to run some numbers and make sure this is going to make some financial sense. Mm -hmm. You know, especially when therapists, let's say if people are starting new businesses, when you start saying run the numbers, it almost sounds like, like, oh, do I have to do a business plan? Do I have to do more? 
literally open up an Excel spreadsheet and just put in what your expenses are. Look online. What are other people charging for ketamine-assisted psychotherapy? How much will the market bear for it? How much will you pay your clinicians? You can do a fairly simple math equation, at least to get an idea of what your profitability range could be. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. It doesn't have to be anything really exciting or, and I do not know how to do an Excel spreadsheet, truth be told. So I do. Wait, there's always is then just a piece of paper, (laughs) the the napkin, the napkin at lunch, just write them down. My whole business and run on the back of a napkin, right? I can't even tell you it's we are not high tech. Actually, which just affirms that that can work, assuming that at some point you're taking it back, but your business runs and it's continuing to grow. And so I think, you know what happens, and this again plays into the whole idea of being therapist, is that people have self-doubt. A a social worker, if you're a, a counseling therapist person, you might think, oh, I'm not a business person. I don't know how to do that. You got to get rid of that voice as well and just be like, just put the numbers down because you can be both, clearly. You can be both. Exactly. Right. Just put the numbers down, folks. That would be the place to begin. So if you find yourself to be someone who is risk averse, the first thing I would do is assess, is my fear getting in the way? How often am I just afraid? And I love Byron Katie's work around four questions. And I have bastardized them for lack of a better word. I have made them a little bit different than she did. But I think this is worth running these questions, running your curiosity about can something work through these questions? What is your fear? Is it true? I'm going to lose money. Is it true? Is it true that you will lose money? Well, yeah, it feels true. Well, guess what? That's a feeling. Okay. And why we therapists, we love feelings. That does not make it true. The second question is, are you 100% sure, 100% certain that it's true? Well, no, but it feels true. Okay, but you're not 100% true. How certain are you? Well, I don't know, 50% or 20%. I guess I'm not certain. Okay, is there any evidence to support that it's true? And evidence is publishable in a journal, admissible in court. Feelings are not those. So is there any evidence to support that you are going to lose money. Well, I think I am. Okay, but if you run the numbers, right? If you've run the numbers, then you'll know. These are the the circumstances under which I will not lose money. These are the circumstances under which I will lose money. Okay, if that's your fear. And then the final question is, is there any evidence to the contrary? Is there any evidence to suggest that you will not lose money? Right? Well, I've talked to other practice owners. They haven't lost money when they've done this. And They've done it in X, Y, and Z way. So that to me is evidence to the contrary that you're going to lose money. And I would say that is the number one fear I hear from practice owners. A lot of practice owners have fear around money, which is why they don't take risks. So to your point, Deanna, sitting down with a paper napkin, the back of a placemat, if you're actually going to restaurants anymore, an Excel, that's how I feel about Excel spreadsheets, an Excel spreadsheet. (laughs) All of those are great ways just to look at it concretely. And here is just a basic way to look at it. When you're thinking about, sit down and start out with your recurring expenses. You always want to talk about your recurring expenses. I know each month my rent is this, my phone bill is that, my EHR is this, my, you know, my salary and includes your salary. Because I talk to a lot of practice owners, folks, 
who do not pay themselves or their salary is the first to go. We never want that to have to happen to you. And it does happen sometimes. It's not anybody's fault. Some things just happen. Staff leaves or, you know, something else occurred. There was some, you know, the, the owner had to take a bunch of time off, a therapist had to take a bunch of time off. It happens. But making sure that you talk, you, you write down your recurring expenses, including your pay to make sure you've covered everything. Or we have the lovely Chris Pertel, our CFO, who knows these are all of our expenses. Make sure you've covered everything. Some people don't think about some of the expenses that they need to, need to be thinking about. And then what is your projected revenue? So you've got those two branches or those two columns, recurring expenses and one-time expenses. And you want to make sure you've thought through all of those so a CFO or your accountant can perhaps help you walk through that. And if you don't have either of those, it'll take a little extra time, but just make sure you've looked at all, look at your credit card statements. What are you spending money on? Look at your bank account. What are you spending money on? Did you cover all of those things? Then you can sit down and say, okay, now I want to take on somebody new, or I want to start a new program, or I want to take on a new office space location, or whatever the case may be. Then you start with the numbers you already have, and you think of the numbers that are going to go into, here's what it's going to cost me to hire a new person. So one of the things we talked about as a team here was that there have been a number of practices and folks, I'm sure you've seen this too. I see this on listservs with more regularity than I would like. These practices where the owner got out of the gate, saw it as a great opportunity to become a group during COVID because they saw the need, they expanded, they now are folding because they can't pay themselves, they're burnt out. That's what we're talking about avoiding. So yes, you want to be quick, you want to be agile, you want to be ahead of the game whenever you can, but you also want to make sure you're doing it by the numbers. And this idea, what you just said, agility and speed, the good news is for these businesses that are now facing trouble is that when they saw COVID coming, they had agility and speed to jump in because of the change they saw. So now it's it's a need for business owners, for practice owners to have the same agility and speed because things are changing again. Mm -hmm. And to acknowledge and recognize that it's time for another shift and a new model just as people created a new model at the beginning of COVID. Yeah, for sure. Here's a dilemma that plenty of practice owners who are folding have run into. They took the risk, to your point, Deanna. They maybe ran a few numbers, but perhaps not enough. And they offered people more than they really could. So, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen when you throw some food into a koi pond or where there's a bunch of fish, it's a feeding frenzy. And so there was a point in time where it was just an absolute feeding frenzy. And in order to lure therapists into working in their practices, they offered way more money than they, can, they actually could afford. The practice couldn't sustain it. So I'm thinking they didn't actually run those numbers. So they offered a high percentage. They offered a salary. They said, I will pay you and then I'll go after the insurance company to get the money back. Folks, I can tell, I mean, some of you are able to do that. If you are, that's fabulous. Please let us know. But for many folks who are needing to close their practice, this was a big part of the problem. So agility and speed with numbers, risk with 
numbers, making sure you know what you're doing. If you're going to make an offer to a therapist, how much does it cost you to have that therapist? Chris Pertel, we've done this exercise. How much does it cost us to have a therapist? What is the break-even point? What is the profit point? And it was different than I thought it was going to be. So it's really important to figure that out. If you want to pay somebody you know, you want to be a really good practice owner and you want to pay them 70% of your receivables, what are your costs for this person? Do you have 70% to give them and then still pay yourself? Because you're not doing this as a hobby. So agility, speed, risk, not getting caught up in your fear, but always doing it by the numbers. And then if you do the numbers, you will know when and how to bust a move. But folks, you've got to bust that move or you're never going to move the needle. Thank you so much. As always, Chris Pertel, Deanna Shoss, our co-host, much appreciated. Thank you all for listening. Let us know your thoughts. We're always interested to hear what you have to say as well. Be well. You've been listening to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast with Dr. Margot Jaco. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe so you don't miss an upcoming episode and head on over to the mentalhealthbusinessmentor.com website for resources and additional information. Thanks so much for listening and be well.